And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. But I'm here with Britt Turpak right now. Britt, we were so Hi. cute earlier today. I wish that I had it recording because we were like, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We were ready to party. I just feel like every time I'm around you, on a side note, which isn't a lot because we met like during this whole COVID like shenanigan that's going on. Um, but I feel energized and like just this like, Whoosh, like I just feel energized around you. And I have to tell you, full circle moment, we met through Britt Bronson, the Shout amazing Bronson. space movement, which we love and support. And I'm so proud to be an ambassador for. But you did an event with Britt. I, I believe it was like breath work and yoga and kind of like just being centered with oneself. And I had found out maybe three weeks before that I was pregnant or maybe two weeks before. And Sheil Bhutta was there, who's been amazing. She's been on the show before. And you guys were teaching yoga. And I remember being like, nope, not today. Nope. I was in so much pain. I was not nauseous or anything, but I was just like, I can't do this. And then Sheil was having us do the the lymphatic, um, like draining, not draining massage, but what was it? It was kind it's of happening. like- the tapping, yes, like that yeah. kind of work. And she's like, now tap the ovaries, girls, tap the ovaries. And I was like, no, no. no. And so I, I was like, oh God, I really got to pee. And I was, and I ran to the bathroom and I was like, I'm just going to wait till Shield's part's a little bit done. And I was like, I don't want Shield to think that I'm not following along. But you were part of this experience. That was, that was, uh, you know, baby's first, I would say, workout class. I feel um, so honored to have led baby through some yoga yeah, yeah yeah so that was that was the first like spiritual experience um and I was there with Derek Jameson and Matthew Lewis it, I feel like everyone from the podcast who's been on the podcast was at this event and we were all together so you know baby's all part of this so it's been so wonderful so I just want to let you know you bring such a joy and such a light and it's such a special moment in baby's life but Britt how are you. you what is going on tell us everything you are just this first of all you're just like a spiritual guru queen and I just have so much to talk about in regards to mental health because you work so strongly and so closely with a foundation that's so close to my heart which is um, NAMI which I'm also an ambassador for um, I talk about NAMI all the time the National Alliance on Mental Illness how did you get involved on working with uh, you know so closely like you literally work so closely with NAMI um, on a day-to-day -day basis how did that all happen well, first of all, thank you for the really kind introduction. Oh. <laughs> that was really, really generous. It's so true, and though. <laughs> I know, but it makes me feel good because truthfully, I always just like to have fun. Yeah. And so when I'm bringing myself into situations, whatever it may be, whether it's my mental health advocacy and education work or yeah. teaching yoga or even this podcast, like... I just want to have a good time. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's what it's always about. And that's what I don't understand. Like, even when things get really emotional and really hard hitting on, on this podcast, I try to make emotional support a place where we can laugh and we can create this environment where it's just relaxing and it's not about all just like facts and depression and like, woe is me. No, we have to find the humor and the levity in mental health and in this situation. Truly. 
Well, and I really think laughter is the best medicine. And if you think about it, when you laugh, when you're genuinely like belly laughing, you're so present. It forces you to be present and you feel that joy. And it's in that place of joy and presence where you can really stand in your power, whatever that may be. Circling back around to being just the best form of medicine, in my opinion. But then to answer the second part of your question, um, NAMI. Yes. I got in touch with NAMI and got involved with NAMI and the whole mental health space in general about four or five years ago in a very organic way. Uh, Actually, through an introduction from Britt Bronson to come circle again with her. But basically... I was at the height of my, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, breakdown, maybe if you want to view it as a breakthrough moment with my personal um, story of mental health, healing, and recovery. And I had this project where I had interviewed, I had a blog and a podcast, and I, over the course of the year, a year, I interviewed over 50 women on success, purpose, leadership, meaning. Uh, actually in an attempt to redefine our female role models in society. But they came from all different demographics and backgrounds. And this was just a passion project. This was not like work. This was just me. This was just something that you wanted to do. And also, right, it's such a learning experience. I feel like that's one thing that I always recommend to people, even if they're like, oh, I, I, you know, may not have the best microphone or I may not have... A, B, and C, I really recommend sitting down and having an interview with someone, even family members, because I feel like people open up so much more when they're well, just being asked questions. I was recording on a phone with no Incredible. edits, and it was so bad. The, the quality was terrible. But it doesn't it was matter. Awful. You got but probably some amazing it. stuff out of it. I did. Well, yeah. and what I started to realize is about halfway or three quarters of the way through, all of these women from these various backgrounds, we're all saying the same thing. So I like to seek patterns. And so intuitively I was like, okay, so what's this thing that they all possess? And I realized that they all had this really strong sense of Mm self-worth and self-acceptance, which not so ironically, I didn't have at the time. So it was really like my life uh, school moment. And so I dug a bit deeper to see what they were specifically doing. And I came up with five tangible tools that I equated to self-worth and self-acceptance. And in my head, because I was so broke at the time and I was so broken, I was like, if I do these five things, I can get there. Right, right. And so I started to practice them. And a lot of them were mental health tools. Um, and I started to see change and transformation in my life. So then I started to pitch this idea into school, like this idea of these five steps plus self-worth and mental health into schools in the LA area. Oh my gosh. I know in retrospect, it was so funny though. I don't know why half of these people let me come in and speak to their students. This was obviously pre COVID, but I had no pedigree behind me. Like I had, I didn't even have a PowerPoint. I didn't even have a PowerPoint. Wait, but, but I had how a lot did of you even meet these schools like that you got to be a part of? I called them and was like, I have something I need to speak to your students about. Oh my gosh. Britt, that's so cool though. And that's it so brave. Really cool. Thank you. Thank I, you. But, but in it's that scary process, as shit, honestly. So scary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And it was so underdeveloped and my presentations probably were not that great, but 
But it doesn't matter because I don't think that people care about, you know, what the most... I'll speak from my own experience of like going to conferences that are that are specifically about mental health. And I remember going with a bunch of, you know, f- different types of friends and different types of worlds of, of the mental health and self-care and, you know, all that. And you go to the most professional ones that are like super fancy and they have all that PowerPoint presentation bullshit. And let me tell you, if you're not speaking from the heart, and you're not really engaged in it, it feels fake and it feels commercial and it feels like a corporation. It doesn't feel genuine. So I sometimes appreciate sure. the ones that are that are more like a little rough around the edges. Like I like to think I'm a little rough around the edges and that's what makes it more authentic. Like that's what it's about. It's about being a little well, like, a little tough. And I knew some of the experiences, which we can get into later, yeah. that I had gone through, like, even previously prior to that. I don't want to glamorize them by any means because it wasn't a glamorous situation. Right. But, again, I'm a very – I am a very intuitive person. I, like, my my logic is not always there, but I've always been led and trust, you know, trust my gut yeah. and intuition. Um I knew I'd have to go through some of the things that I did to do what I was purposely – sent here to be as a human in physical form on this planet so I knew I was on the right path but in that process NAMI reached out to me and they found me and they were like these are positive coping strategies in the mental health space do you want to come do education work with us and I was like I've never heard of you but I'm in a season of yes so so sure why not yeah why not why not and that's so cool that they reached out to you because I have to be honest like they're a big company and they have a really, they've got so much going on that they really are so great about curating, you know, and finding humans that really have the heart and soul behind it. I feel like they can kind of, um, you know, smell the bullshit, if you will, you know, yeah. and they can they can tell like who's not really into the mental health field, but is doing it for the hashtag or to be popular or to gain the following. Like they're really good about finding and curating wonderful people. So that's such a, it's so special. And and I feel really honored to work with them. And I feel honored to work alongside you and in the space that you're doing and Britt Bronson and all of these advocates that I just have the utmost admiration for, because Mm -hmm. something truthfully that I do get frustrated about in today's world. And I know it's a reality and I'm not trying to be negative about it, but certain people who call themselves mental health advocates. And I'm like, but what are you actually doing? Literally. Like, what are you doing yep. Yep. to push the needle forward and mm-hmm. create positive change? Well, and, and I think Just that curious. that's something that we, we share. And, and, you know, I, it's so funny because I have this conversation a lot of times on this podcast, I find myself. And then I hope that I'm not like being like negative Nancy, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, negative Nancy. I don't know where that came from, but you know what I mean? Like, I hope I'm not being <laughs> I like- I use those phrases. Yeah, yeah, I use these like old school phrases all the time and it's like really awkward. But anyways- No, I'm like 80 years old. Yes, I get yes. it. I'm like, Susie, Sally, something. I was trying to go- <laughs> Sally, Susie's <laughs> over here, there. you know? Um, but I don't want to be negative about it, but I-, I talk especially when I interview younger generations like the Gen Z and whatever the younger age is like whatever the whatever it's called um I don't not us not 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 us <laughs> not, not the millennials not um us. what what's under Gen Z what is it do you know I actually don't know well, is it x 
maybe Gen X. No, I don't know. Well, well, anyways, that that generation, you know, when I feel like I speak to the younger generation, like, because I'm so old, I I feel like I don't want to be, you know, putting down, putting them down or questioning. But sometimes you see things that are on TikTok, right? These TikTok trends. And it's about mental health. And it's like, yay, we're raising awareness. That's awesome. But sometimes people are just doing it because, oh, wait, this hashtag, if I put these five in that have to do with mental health awareness and and mental health matters or suicide awareness, it's going to gain me 100,000 followers. So I'm going to do this, right? So there's a part of it that's like, okay, great. I'm glad that we're feeling comfortable in a society that the conversation is being had but it's also a very tricky situation where it's like okay yes but if you don't have the right people behind it to push forward the messaging and actually give you know here's a cure not a cure but here's like some tools that you can use here's some resources if you don't provide those things or a conversation or a story then it gets to be a spiral and a downfall and that's when you start seeing these statistics rise of, you know, of suicides and self-harm and all of this stuff. So I think that it's a really tricky situation that we're all living in and all the different generations of trying to figure it out. Because look, two generations above me, you know, which is, you know, my, my, my mom's generation, let's say, well, my mom's a huge supporter of me and ride or die, you know, um, there are a lot of people that that still don't believe that bipolar disorder is a real thing or don't believe that depression is a real thing. You know, they say, oh, buck it up, you know, grow some balls. Like, you know, everything's going to be fine. Like that's the real world. And it's like, yeah, but there's also something called mental illness and it is a real thing and it is a disease and it is a disorder. And these are things that need help and need and to be cared for. And you can't always see it. Yes. So I think that there's just a lot of communication that that's really tricky. It's really tricky right now. And it's about how do we bring that that together? When you were speaking to the schools, you know, did you find that kids were really craving that kind of conversation? That's such a great question. Thank you. Oh, Um, (laughs) I, I don't, I, I would say yes, because of because of two things, because of how they received it mm. and they were like sponges, so yeah. receptive and engaged right. and asking questions. Like now, even when I give presentations, I always leave like 15 to 20 minutes for Q&A. Mm. Like I was just up at Pepperdine at Kappa Kappa Gamma last Sunday, which was fantastic. And I loved that age specifically right. from my own um, mental health journey. But so much happens in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And... And that's the part that I love when I do share my story and I do have this conversation um, to, to see people open up. And then also, you, I'm sure it's the same thing for you even doing this podcast. Like, you can tell when someone's actively listening. Oh, 100%. And then you can tell when people are checked out. <laughs> 150%. There have been it's like many a time. At you, you're like, you're looking through me. I'm like... Hi, remember we're here in an interview? Like, hate to break it to you. Like, hi. But I have to be honest, there have been interviews where I have completely checked out on people and I can catch myself like being like, what did they just ask me? And I I bullshit my way like out. But because like sometimes it's so hard because when you get asked the same questions of, of 
I think when people don't know a lot about the mental health space and they don't know how to use the proper language behind it all, it sometimes gets a little mundane and a little boring. And so I try to make sure that if I do other interviews that I really taper them out, you know what I mean? And I really make space for it so I can be present. But you totally know when people space out. I mean, it's it's so, it's clear as day. And it's like, did I do something? Like, do I smell? Like, what's the problem? Yeah, you're like, what is this? What happened? No, but I have, I have noticed and I do remember how kids were really impacted in a positive way and then this was actually really interesting so a program that I work closely with NAMI uh with is their ending the silence program and are you familiar with that I don't know that one so ending the silence goes into school specifically middle and high school to help destigmatize the conversation and then there's an adult adult presenter uh, sharing like facts and statistics and then a youth presenter sharing a personal story. Wow. And truthfully, like sometimes you don't know what, if what you're saying is getting through or what's going to land and you hope, like I do believe I glass half full person over here. Like you're there for a reason. Somebody's supposed to hear it, but sometimes you are like, is this, are you, are you here? You know, like, is this making an impact? Um, I was up at Malibu High School like three and a half years ago giving an ETS story. What's an ETS? I just ending the silence. Oh, ending the silence. Okay. Yes. Story and uh, presentation. And then I revisited Malibu High School with NAMI. This was a with NAMI project just back in January. And this kid came up to me and he was like, I remember hearing your personal story three and a half years ago and shared personally like what that did for him. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. And and it's moments like that, right. Where you realize like, Oh wow, this is why you do share a story. Totally. And I think that people don't realize the importance of a story of how one little thing can affect one person and his whole journey. No, but then I think of my journey and how impactful the personal story moments in my life have been or the people who have shared been really vulnerable and shared things in certain spaces that have really carved out the trajectory of the way my life has turned out what was the part of your story that really impacted him the most like where did he relate to to you like mostly around so I, in my presentations, talk about how I gave myself the title of Queen of I'm Fine. Oh, I love that. Because oh, I always start out asking, yeah. like, how many times have you been asked that question? How are you doing? And I know it's a rhetorical question, you, like, what we are asked all the time. Can I tell but, you, I've had this conversation now a hundred million times, I feel like, on this podcast with the I'm Fine, but now I find myself doing it more of, of how's your pregnancy going? And I always say, well, physically I'm fine. You know what I mean? And cause I don't, cause should I get into of how hard this has been as, as a mental journey? And it's like, it's the same thing, right? You do, you, you leave half the story. You leave half of it. Totally. Wow. And, and sometimes it's, you know, it's not always appropriate to share. So it, it sure, is easier of course. to default to the I'm fine. Right. But a lot of times we don't actually check in with self to see how we're actually feeling, right? whether we choose to share that information or not. And so I, I share how for seven years I was the queen of I'm fine because look, I'm 5'8", I'm 
blonde and bubbly and yep. have a fun, cute personality. And everyone's like, oh, no, you're fine. You're yeah. fine. You're fine. And yeah. really, I was over there being like, I'm, I'm not, not fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows this, but I'm not fine. Yeah. And I suppressed a lot of emotions. And that was really a detrimental thing for me. And so when he was sharing, you know, I have so many friends, I'm popular, I'm this, I'm athletic, I'm like doing all these, ticking all these boxes I'm supposed to do, but I'm really over here and I'm not okay. I was like, if you can say you're not okay now, this is going to save you so much. So much, so much pain. years, so much pain and so much Down money. So much money. Yes. Yes. So much money. I'm like, just say, say you need help now. Yeah. Don't wait yeah. until like eight years from now. No, but it's true. And I think that that's, that's another, you know, thing that we don't talk about a lot is you think that it's, I always remember, you know, hearing these stories and, and, you know, it never happened at my particular high school and I didn't go to college. So I never experienced that, like the particular in quote unquote college life like that, you know, but I always would hear, oh, the, the popular girl, you know, taking her own life. You would never think the cheerleader would do this. You would never think this. And it's like, just because you tick the boxes in, in, you know, paper, it doesn't mean everything's perfect. You know what I mean? You you see people who have all the money in the world and all the fame and all the glamour and, you know, they die by suicide and you're just like, but they had everything, you know? But just because you have everything doesn't mean you really have anything in your heart and your soul and in your mind, you know? So I think that that's so wonderful that you were able to share that. And I hope that you just sharing that right now, I, I know that that will affect someone who's listening to the podcast right now. You know, it's the same sort of thing. It's, it's every story. There's a little bit of something that someone can take from it. So I think that's so beautiful. And so what's the journey been like now, like going forward? Like what have you been bringing to NAMI that, that, that has changed? Well, there's two questions. Now I want to go back actually really quickly. What go are back. the, I want to go back. What are the five things that you found in your discovery of when you were interviewing these 50 women, you know, that you brought with you that you wanted to teach to others? So I started seeing overlapping patterns. And the first thing that I realized is that they were all cultivating spaces for meditation mm. or stillness. Yes. Maybe it's not full on meditation. Maybe it's just taking a couple breaths, but. Mm -hmm. Something along those lines. The second practice, well, I'll go through all, all five. So the first one is meditation. So the, do you practice meditation? I do. So I wake up in the morning, and this isn't on my list, but I do do it every day, and I make my bed. I don't know if I lost you in the in the – but I asked if you knew who Coach John Wooden was. He was a famous UCLA basketball coach. No, I don't know him. He has great books. I highly recommend them. Oh, Coach, but what's his one name? Of his, John Wooden. John Wooden. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And he talks about the importance of starting your day, making your bed. And if you think about it, you're subconsciously finishing a task first mm. thing upon waking, which I actually think is really good for your brain. It kind of sets you up for success. I love that. But after I do that, I sit down and I meditate. Mm. And now I do it for 20 minutes every day, but I'm, I encourage people to do it for a minute, do it yeah. for three minutes, but it's in the consistency of doing it where you will see the positive results. Right. And you'll see it so every day. That. Yep. Yeah. 
And then after I do that, I have a journaling practice. And now it's kind of an extensive journaling practice again, but it started out as writing three things that I'm grateful for. And not just labeling the things, but actually writing out the phrases, I am grateful. A mentor of mine had told me, she's a doctor, she was like, when you put pen to paper, it uses a higher level of your subconscious. So oh, absolutely. More effective than just, you know, saying it verbally or typing it on your phone. So I do that. And then number three is move your body. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely the movement piece has always been in my life. The movement other two, is so important for you. Yeah. No, I know. It's and it's not about open. like working out and being fit and being skinny and being toned. It's like, no, it's just even if you put music on and you just sway and you Dang dance it. a little bit, like there's just something about getting the blood flowing because in your body. It gets you out of one stagnant space yes. into another. Yes, so and it gets you out of walk. your head. I know. And actually into your body. Yep. Yep. So that was my number three. And those were my morning routine part. And then four and five, I practiced throughout the day. So four was practicing one purposeful act of kindness. Mm -hmm. So whether you hold a door for a stranger or even make eye contact with somebody and smile because we've become so disconnected that people find that weird and alarming and that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) And And then number five is really monitoring everything that you take into your body so both physically whether it be water what the beverages you're drinking stay hydrated yes stay hydrated or food or the music that you're listening to the people that you follow Mm yeah everything that you're taking in in my opinion is a representation of who you're becoming and i knew when i had started to implement these practices that I was at such a pivotal time in my life where my life that have really went into right. a bad direction right. <laughs> or a positive one. And so I was just very hypersensitive to really being aware what I was taking in. I think it's and important so- for you to also like what you shared is what you take in your body of not just being the physical of food and not just water, but it is the social media. It's the TV that you watch. It's the people that you surround yourself with. People you surround yourself. Yeah. I think that we forget that. My mentor gave, always used to say this, my fitness mentor, Angela Davis, love her. She always used to ask me, she was like, who imagine yourself being in the ocean in the middle of a storm and you're in a small boat. Right. Okay. Yep. Are the claustrophobic? Are the five? Yeah. You are. Do you want five people who are poking holes in your boat, mm-hmm. or do you want five people helping you row? Like it's right. really simple. Right. It's right. really simple. Right. And I've really become very discerning about who I share my time with and how sacred that time is because yeah. I realize how healthy or unhealthy it is. And and if I do spend time with somebody now, it's because it genuinely elevates my life well it elevates your vibration and as a human being and as a, as a spiritual being and all of this because i i believe that too and i i notice like when i you know it, i laugh about it how it's fun to be gossipy and bitchy and all that stuff and like we can always still do that but there's a, a point in a life where someone i was interviewing um 
last week was talking about it in regards to to the pregnancy of how, you know, people think like, oh, well, you stop having your single friends and you start having mom friends because of, of, of having kids. And she's like, it's not specifically just because of having in quote unquote children, right? That's not the reason why. It's because you value different things, and you see like, okay, if I'm my child is going to spend time, and I'm I want to be with my child all the time. If we're going to spend time around people, either they're going to be supportive of the child, or it's got to be other moms that are going to understand the struggles that I'm going through because some people don't want to hear it. Like you really need to. It, it's and she said some crazy stat like every seven years you change, you know. Your your self regenerate or something. I don't know exactly yes. what and it so is. Yes, and so like you your friends like change. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, and I've been thinking about it because there's a lot of people in my life who I I love dearly and I I I am so fond of, but I, I'm in a different place in my life where I'm really like you thinking, okay, I only have a little time on this earth and I only have so much energy to give. And now I'm growing a human inside me and I'm going through my own mental breakdown every single day. When I choose to be with somebody, I want it to benefit and elevate my vibration, right? I want it to spiritually awaken me, you know, and I've been choosing specific people and I, have found myself falling out of friendships and not out of animosity, not out of hate, not out of, you know, dislike. I just am like, who is important to me in this moment of my life? And I'm choosing to be selfish. It's so interesting you're saying this because I was just having this conversation with one of my very best friends who is visiting LA from London. I love her so much. I'm so sad she's not here full time. Um, But I was talking to her about another, like a friendship in my life because I'm in that same seven year itch. Yeah. I'm at that. I'm at the seven years. And I was like, wow, things are changing and I can actually see it. And I tried to explain it in the way where I was like, my choice to not show up in certain friendships is not out of animosity and it, and oh. it doesn't come with ill will it's truly from a place of what do I need right now right. to take care of myself so I can be you know not not only the best version of myself but do the work that I'm supposed to do or like for you show up as the mom that you're now becoming right. And right. that you now are like your responsibility shift so yes. naturally like the people and the situations are going to shift too And you kind of feel like there's a part of me that's like, oh, I feel this guilt that I haven't reached out to these people and I haven't, you know, tried to, you know, do dinners or do something. But at the same time, I believe it takes two to tango, right? It takes two in a friendship and you really need to be around people that want to put that effort in and know your worth. And I think that that's important for people to hear, you know, just because you've been friends with someone for 25 years, it doesn't mean you continue on being their friend because sometimes we change and we evolve and we grow and we just want different things. And that's okay. It doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world, but it's just like, you need to, to put your priorities straight. And, and I, I have to say, like, you got to put yourself first. And I know that's terrible. No, it's not terrible, though. Like, I think this is, we're very much in a, like, self-serving culture. In this moment, yeah. Yeah, and I I realize that. And look, I promote self-care and all of these things. 
I think it's necessary to do that with with bound with respect, I should say, and with morals and, boundaries. and values. Unfortunately, I think yeah, and with boundaries. Um, but when it is with all of those things, like it's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad thing, and I think that we just have to really come to terms where it's kind of like a grieving process too. Like a lot of people you're not going to, you know, have that relationship with anymore and it's okay. And it doesn't need to be this big dramatic thing where you have a conversation, you know, with all of them and do this. It's just sometimes people grow apart and you just stop making the phone calls and you stop the texts and you stop doing this and you meet stop new people and stop that. Oh, Hey, let's hang out when you know you're really never going to, or you don't want to, or you don't want, or to. you don't want to. Yeah. And, and really prioritizing that. Look, I was like, no new friends. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tried to be like, I want to, sh- you to introduce you to this girl. It's like, I barely have time for the people that I I'm exhausted. Okay. I'm exhausted. <laughs> let alone, I mean, obviously new friends. Yes. When they're appropriate yes. and come in, but it's not like I'm in search of it. Well, and, and I think and, people come in your life at the right time and, and they'll yes, be introduced. organically. Yep. Just like everything that's happened so far in your life, like with, with NAMI and, and, you know, all these things happen organically, you know, why, you know, when you, when you, you've been working with aloe so closely and you've been working, you know, and doing yoga and you do plate fit, which I am obsessed with, by the way, I miss it so much I because you can't, can't do, do it, it when you're pregnant. No, because for those of you who don't know what plate fit is, plate fit is, I don't know. What what would you say? It like looks like it's from the like eighties, like the workout here. I know, which is so on brand for me because I love the eighties and the nineties just in general. Um, especially from a workout perspective. It, it's a power plate. A power plate, and, yes. It's a big circular it thing that you stand on. It's a big circular thing that you stand on and you do a workout. And it vibrates. And the plate is actually vibrating yes. thirty to fifty times per second, up, down, front, back, side to side. Let me tell so you. So you're just your brain is shaken. You're shook. Everything's shaking. I did an event for emotional support with PlateFit, and it was so much fun. And I they let me have that. a bunch of girls. Yeah, it was the opening of one of their stores, um, one of the the um, studios. I mean, in oh, like off La Brea, was it the Sycamore. Yes, yeah, Sycamore. The Sycamore and it was so fun. And we did like an emotional support, like girls workout class and it was all about empowerment and everything and I just remember my body was shaking my brain was shaking and I just like got so addicted like I loved it so much but can't do it it would it would shake the baby a little too much she would be like really confused when when she comes then you can come back yes exactly exactly I'm ready to come back I'm like baby it's time it's time we're gonna do this perfect (laughs) I love this. But now what do you recommend to people, you know, who may not have access to all of the different, you know, organizations of like NAMI and like you coming to speak or, you know, even the the plate fits and the aloe yogas and all of the stuff. I mean, we are extremely lucky living in Los Angeles and having all of these resources and places to go and people to meet and do all this. You know, if you're just at home, especially because we're now, you know, slowly getting out of this pandemic and things are opening up again, what can people do at home that you would recommend from kind of like maybe with the five things that they can do to add like the physicality behind it? What is something that they can do? Specifically the movement piece? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, the movement. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I genuinely, that's why I love those five things so much because I was at a point in my life where I couldn't afford to go to a class and I couldn't do right. certain things, but I realized like, look, the breath is always with me. Right, right. Number one, stillness is always with me. It may, may be hard, but I can always sit down and do that. I can always find a pen and paper and start to do things to rewire and reframe my thoughts. Totally. Uh, as far as movement goes, a walk. I think walking is incredibly underrated. I love what As someone who has been on not bed rest, but someone who can't exercise during this pregnancy, walking around the block is about all that I'm allowed to do. But let me tell you, taking that walk when I'm having, you know, on edge of a manic moment, <clears throat> excuse me, or if I'm feeling like, just down or I'm feeling stressed or I'm overwhelmed, taking that walk, I'm telling you, has been able to clear my mind. It's a game changer. A game changer. And I don't, I never appreciated it until this moment. Well, and it's also low impact. And so I actually have been moving away, although I love cardio, like I love a spin class. I love, <laughs> I really do. Uh, I love the Stairmaster, these things that really get your heart rate up. But I really have been favoring low impact workouts, Pilates, yoga, walking. It's all the of stillness. These things that really just, I know that calm your nervous system. Um, so walking you mentioned it earlier, but it's something I do regularly, especially in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee. I put headphones in and I like put on a Beyonce song and I'm like, you jam. Moving, moving, grooving, yeah. dancing around. Like, Dance like really no one's embracing watching. my weirdness. Yeah. Like I pretend I'm in a girl band. I love, I will totally be in a girl band with you. Would you? Yes, I would totally like do that. Girl band. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Yeah, I will totally do that with you. But I've been finding that too, where, where I, you know, like I said, I can't do workouts, you know, and I've been putting on music. I, I, I'm, I do transcendental meditation. That's the kind of meditation that I practice. And so in the morning I do my 10 minutes of my transcendental meditation, which has been extremely, and I have not spoken about this. It has been extremely hard while, while I've been pregnant doing it. And I went back to my teacher and she did a refresh and we talked about it and she said, it's very normal for women who are pregnant and, you know, afterwards, obviously with the kids being loud, but when you're pregnant, you know, every jolt and movement and, and this baby is the most active baby. Literally, you see feet moving at all times, like across the belly. And and what I also notice is the second that I take the covers off and there's light that comes in the in the room, that's when the movement starts in the belly. Mm. And uh, really, like so light sensitive. It's 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 fucking crazy being pregnant. Like I can't tell you. It's like a roller coaster it's really can I ask you a question then? yeah yeah so like finish your thought but then I have a question yeah okay yeah and I literally will sit there in my thoughts and be able to you know get into that state of theta and my brain has the theta going and those waves are moving you know and then boom you get this like hard kick and you're jolted out completely of that 
that state of mind that you're in. So it's, mm. and then it's really hard to get back in because it's consistent. And look, it's not the baby's fault. It's not anyone's fault. You you're know, like, it God just, damn it. Yeah, God <laughs> damn it. And it's no one's fault, but you feel, you know, you feel everything in your body. And that's one thing that I will say that I am so aware of everything. So what I've been doing is I try to do at least five minutes, even if I can't fully get into theta and get down there, I just sit in my thoughts for five minutes. Mm. And I say my mantra in my head and I do my breath work and I've been practicing hypnobirthing. So I have a lot of breathing techniques that they have taught me as well. Um, Cause I wasn't someone that was really into breath work before. And this is very new for me, but then you best believe I put on a soundtrack. I put on Beyonce. I put on Mariah Carey. I put on Janet Jackson and I um, dance. Old school rhythm nation. Old school rhythm nation. Let me tell you, I put some Peppa on and I will blast this music in the house. It really annoys my husband, but I will blast this music in the house and I'll make my oatmeal and I'll just like, I know that I can't squat. I know that I can't like booty bounce and like pop it and like do all the fun stuff. But I can certainly just move my body and just moving shoulder, the just shoulder shrug. Shoulder shrug. I can move that belly around. I'm like, we're doing it right now. I'm like, I can do this yes. real well. <laughs> I have to post this video because this is what the good stuff. But I can do those movements so well, and it just gets the blood flowing and it gets the endorphins going just enough to make me get out of my head. It's and just, to feel better. And to feel better and to feel, and even I if think it, that's, yes. I, I think that's the goal. It's like, look, these things, when you practice them, they're not, it's not, doesn't mean it's going to solve all your problems. No, no. But hopefully if you're feeling up here, it may just take you down here a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Or it may just consistently start bringing you down a little bit more and a little bit more. Or it gives so, you just five minutes of relief. Of a reprieve. Yeah. What's your question for me? Um, <laughs> this is your interview well, skill now. Yeah, this is my, my hi, welcome to the Emotional <laughs> Support House with Britt Turpak. I am interviewing the host, Alessandra. <laughs> I'm curious, how has your pregnancy journey impacted your specific mental health conditions, if you don't mind me. Oh asking. my God, I love this conversation. This is what I talk about all the time now. I feel like, and it really, it's now that I'm able to announce it and talk about it, I like scream it from the rooftops. I feel like, how has it affected me? Well, I live with bipolar one disorder. So I actually weaned off my medication for four and a half months before we started to try to have a baby. And um, that was a journey because it was the first time in 13 years that I had not been on medication for my mental health. Um, and, you know, I, I was very lucky. I had a psychiatrist that was watching me. I had a therapist that I was working with, a new therapist um, that was wonderful. So I, I was being monitored, right? And I think that that's very important. The, the problem that I think I've had this entire journey is, and with all the interviews that I've been doing, is people have said, well, why did they take you off? You never needed to be off. Like, you know, that's fine. Some doctors have told me, oh, good thing you went off because it kills your baby. I have friends that have stayed on their medication and it absolutely had no effect. So, you know, it's it's this weird like balance. For me, I, I'm a very superstitious person and I'm a believer in 
I, 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 I'm not, I'm not a believer. That's the wrong term. I'm someone that would be so set in stone where if God forbid something were to happen right to my child, Mm -hmm. it would be my fault because I stayed on my medication. Like that's where my mind would go. Right. Or it would be my fault because I took that hot bath or because I continued drinking that iced tea Mm -hmm. that I wasn't supposed to. Like I'm that kind of person where that's where my anxiety goes. Um, but the first trimester was beautiful and wonderful and I never felt more in my body. And it was so bizarre because it was this secret, like we didn't tell his parents, like no one knew, like only my mom knew. Um, and so it was, it was this, that was the weirdest part was keeping a secret for so many months because I, I'm someone that just like wanted to tell everyone, you know, but I was so concerned. And so, you know, I just wanted everything to be healthy and happy. Um, and the second trimester was like a truck hitting me, you know, that was, um, and I think I, I, what made it worse was, you know, speaking of kind of going, excuse me, going back to how, you know, we were saying how, you know, people would look at you and they would be like, oh, you're five foot eight, you're, you're blonde, you're beautiful, like everything should be perfect and you're not fine, you know. When you read baby books and you listen to these apps and you talk to people and you hear podcasts, they all say, oh, the second trimester is the baby moon period. It's the happiest. It's when you get the giggles out of nowhere. It's all this stuff, right? So, right, all these things I'm supposed to be checking on a paper and inside I'm like- I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this. Yeah, exactly. And so it was really, really, really tough. It was the first time that my husband had seen, it was the first time my husband had seen me have a true proper manic episode Mm. without medication. Um, It was the first time that we had to talk to specialists um, about my mental health. There were some complications with the baby. Like uh, there was just a lot that was going on and I still find myself in that moment, as I'm in the third trimester, it's certainly not as bad. Um, but it's sure as shit the 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 hardest thing that I've ever gone through because you have not only you know when you're when you're without child, you know you don't mind almost. I know this sounds terrible to say you don't mind like harming yourself, right? I was you just know? gonna say it's almost like you normalize pain. You normalize pain. You normalize crying. You normalize punching a mirror and breaking it and bleed you normalize it because you're like oh well it's okay it's my body but now you have to take a step back and go okay what are the consequences that happens if I do this because it's going to affect the baby you know and and I never had any out like resources that I had found except for on reddit and so that was really crazy because everyone's like, oh, Reddit's so terrible. Well, Reddit was the only place where there was someone sharing a story at the same week that I was going through, you know, on the weeks of pregnancy that was literally going the same emotions that I was. There were men on there that were writing going, my wife, wow. my my girlfriend, you know, they're experiencing this. Does any other, you know, person experience this? And to hear it from their point of view, to know what my husband was going through, like broke me inside, you know? So, you know, there there's this, everyone has this wellness pregnancy app. There's so many of them that I could give names to. And, you know, when you are in a pinch, as I like to say, and you're ready to explode inside, you know, the, the, um, take a deep breath. Everything's going to be fine. Wellness app doesn't work. 
you know, and I think, I mean, I feel the same thing about like stress and anxiety. Like when you're in the middle, I mean, although I am the person that I'm like hand on heart, hand on stomach, breathe, I but I'm that person too. Me. So don't get me wrong. But, I'm for that. Yeah. But when you're in the midst of chaos and people are like self care, it's like, yep. you can't think clearly. No, no, no. That I thank you for saying that because that's what it is. It's not being able to think there, there's no clarity in the mind and there's no, and you feel so alone. And I think that we feel alone all the time. I, I especially, I think we've all felt that during COVID and I feel it even more so now being, being pregnant, but I, 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 it's a bizarre feeling because the way I feel now is when I felt before I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, where you're like, mm -hmm. I know something's wrong, but there's no name or there's no like resource or outlet or medication, you know what I mean? It's like, and there are medications, but then you feel like, am I doing it wrong if I take it, if I don't take it? And you just constantly feel judgment where I almost, that's why I almost didn't say anything for the longest time. And I didn't share that I had gotten off my medication because I didn't want to be judged. But when I went through the second trimester and, and everyone is saying, oh, you're supposed to be so happy. And then I'm reading on Reddit, these women that are like, can someone just hold my baby for five minutes while I cry and I scream so I don't hurt my baby? Like, I'm like, I understand that feeling. Like, why is that not being normalized? And I, I just felt like it's time to talk about it. I feel like this is a new space for you. I, I mean, it's, it's, I'll tell you, I was like, oh shit. I think like there's a part of me that like wishes that I talked about it earlier because as I've been interviewing moms and specialists in postpartum depression and, and all this, of this like new world, I realized that even if they don't have an, a, the same diagnosis as I do, they are all going through the same shit that I am and that we're not alone and that you know, you're, you feel like you're going to be judged when you go to a doctor. So you don't share with the doctor really 150% how you feel the OB uh, with my psychiatrist and, and, and therapist and all that I share with, but what I mean with the OB with your, you know, baby doctor. And then you realize like, no, everyone is fucked. Like everyone is alone. <laughs> like We're all totally screwed. And like, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. And we're like, yeah. we're not alone. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to create, whether it's creating a community or just creating the conversation of just like reminding those pregnant women, like, Hey, you may not be in the mental health space, but like, that's what this is like. And it's a space that's open. And I'll tell you, there's no warmer group of people than, people who live with mental illness and who all share diagnosis and share mental health struggles. I mean, we really, I have to say the people that I just love the near and dearest the most are the ones that I've met in the space movement world, in the, you know, NAMI world, all that stuff. Like there's something about creating that bond together that people don't understand. You can have the conversation all you want and talk about your diagnosis, but unless you really have experienced, you know, that, that kind of feeling inside that feel, you know, you don't understand. And that's why it's well, such I a heavy bond. I call my anxiety and depression, my superpower. It is a superpower. And I love that. I love that you call it your superpower because it I is do, your superpower. Because it allows me to feel in really big ways. Yes. 
And so unfortunately, like the reality is sometimes those ways are not so great. Yeah. But the contrast is, and nothing's permanent, right? No, so, nothing's like, permanent. I've always known that. Like I actually, even in some of the lowest places I've been, I openly talk about how I've never thought about ending my life. No, like, right, right. I was homeless at one point living in my car and I remember the first night sleeping in my car and I was like, fuck, you know, and like realizing how shitty this act, the situation was. How old were you during that time? 26. No. Oh my gosh, Brit. How did you, how did you overcome that? That was interesting. That was, that was my like very pivotal, excuse me, moment in life where I was living out of my car. I was couch surfing, Mm -hmm. staying on friends' couches, like a couple really close, one in particular, one in particular, realistically. Um, And actually to tie this all in, like I knew I could have always gone home to Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania. And like my mom didn't know. My mom didn't know the situation (gasps) because I was able to hide it. Right, right. Um. But I knew I had to stay here so I could do this project like that I had mentioned earlier. But even in couch surfing, there were some nights where you feel so much shame in asking people either for favors or to stay with them where it just was easier to just be in my car. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that first night that that happened, literally my thought was, oh, fuck. And then that was also like, Again, not glamorizing it, but I knew I'd have to go through that, yep. if that makes sense. Yep, no, to totally do, makes sense. To share the stories later that were authentic and real. And I didn't conceptually know all of that then, but right. intuitively, like, the seed was planted for that. Right. Um, but I never thought about ending my life. Um, but, but going back to the impermanence, like, even though things can get really low – it gives me the space and capacity to feel this immense joy. Right. And so I think that's just, look, I wear a lot of hats. Mental health is definitely the theme amongst all of them, whether I'm having this conversation or I'm giving a presentation or I'm doing yoga, but I just want people to feel good. Like I want to bring some light and maybe a little laughter and I just want people to feel good. I love that. And what is next for you? What is next for me? Oh my gosh, so much. What do you want? Um, More speaking, which I'm super excited about, specifically for the college age group of humans and individuals. I'm starting to work with sororities. I love that. I think that that's so important because it's so needed because – I, while I was never in a sorority, but my mom was, but I have a lot of, um, you know, cousins that were part of sororities and fraternities. And while I think it's so awesome, like, I can't imagine that's such a cool, like, bond that, that my friends now have still with their sorority sisters and fraternity brothers. There's, there's a lot of pressure and I'm sure just seniority there and like, it's, it's, it's. Well, even for me, it was interesting. Well, this is funny. So I. I went to Pepperdine and I was in, I was a Kappa Kappa Gamma, but oh I kind of got kicked out slash I kind of quit because yeah. I was doing it wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it so wasn't for me at the time because I didn't, I, I hated the idea of being forced to go to social events right? 
which makes sense because I'm such like an introvert at heart. Right. Um, and I was being fined. I was like, I'm being fined money by what? not attending social events. This is so wild. Right. But with that being said, I understand the pressures. My mental health conditions came up for me in college. 75% of mental health conditions will come up for a person between the ages of 18 and 24, regardless of whether or not you are, you know, chemically right. wired to right. have one. Um, so for me, that age group is just so resonant. And I gave, like, I've given a bunch of presentations with NAMI, but last Sunday at uh, Kappa was my first, like, Brit on her own um, sorority speaking uh, moment. And it was really cool because it was a mix of, it was this hybrid of my personal story, the mental health conversation. Yeah. And stand-up comedy. Like, it, the comedy what? just kind of, yeah, it just kind of happened organically. And I was like, this is fucking magic. Oh, my like, gosh. Are you going to do stand-up? Well, no, but, like, incorporating I want you stand-up in my, in my mental health conversation. Good. It this is what fun. I want. This is the kind of content we need. Yes, I know. Oh, my gosh. So, I'm calling... So you're going to keep doing more this. Of that in my life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know. Oh, I love that. I love I wow, that is so cool. I didn't know that you like we're so funny first of all. Like you're really funny. Um but I really do appreciate that because I think that people want to be able to not be especially in that generation, like the younger, you know, college age, they don't want it to be like forced down their throat, Definitely. right? Like sex ed, you know what I mean? Like no one wants to see right. like the banana and the condom, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> let's have fun with it. Like let's make it funny and silly and then you'll actually engage and pay attention and then you're not going to lose the conversation. Well, and that's why I also love movement so much yeah. too. Because you crack somebody open, you break through through this other modality, and then you can let your message land. Right. Like if you're just talking at somebody with facts and statistics and like a they're not going to listen. Gross. No. No. That's truthfully why I like you so much because you're <laughs> funny. When we had our conversation, which by the way, I'm so glad we've had done this podcast for selfish reasons I know. <laughs> because we've hung out in groups but never one on one before, and we were having our pre-podcast and pre-aloe like conversation on the yeah. phone and I was like she wears the same set of life lenses that I wear you know when you can just tell somebody has the same sense of humor yes. and you're like I like really you. I'm a dirty bird I'm a really dirty bird what yeah. can I say <laughs> I like you well, I really like you Brit okay I am going to ask you my final question that I ask everyone okay what is your emotional support Oh, what is my, oh, my emotional support. Can I think about this? For yes. I, oh, no. I know what this is. Nature. Oh, I love that. Nature and mountains. And anytime I can be outside and find stillness, it's when I feel closest to God yeah. and definitely my emotional support. Oh gosh, I love that. I think it's so important. My my husband's very big on grounding. And, mm. you know, we have to put our feet in the grass every single day, you know, and he wishes we lived mm, closer to that. the ocean because he wants to do, you know, what what you do, you know, put your feet in the ocean, in the sand, feet be one with nature, connect and realize that we all are one and we're not alone. 
It's so true. And just even going outside to look up at, like, even if you don't have the luxury of the ocean or mountains yeah. close by, like, look up at the sky. Like, yes. Just take a moment. Take a moment. Take a moment, but don't take too long because then you're going to realize how small we are and like we mean nothing and the the world is right. like... We're all insignificant. We're all and then it'll be doomsday like, and then like, yeah. you know, Tom Cruise is going to show up and it's Mission yeah. Impossible. Like, don't go that far. Right. Just take a moment. Just take an absolute moment. Just one moment, not Just one. 100. Just one. Britt, you have been a pleasure and this has been so wonderful and I am just so happy to continue on doing the work with you. Can I come back? Whenever you want. I literally like love having people come all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're like, mother may I play with danger? Yes, you may. You may. (laughs) 